Hey, hey, friends, I'm Thea Charles, and you are listening to the Push or Pivot podcast. In this series, we discuss the path someone chooses when they are at a crossroads of their life. Do they push through the adversity, or do they stop, reassess, and pivot? Our guest today is Meg A. Watt. Meg is a PR marketing pro from Pittsburgh who has had a wild ride of a life, and she shares it with us. Welcome, everyone. I'm really excited to be talking with Meg today. Meg it has an amazing career to tell us about, and I am just really thankful that she's here. So without further ado, welcome, Meg. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's nice to take a break from all the crazy going on and, and kind of recenter. And I feel like these conversations do that. Yes, so. they do. They're like the highlight of my day. Um, yeah, I love listening to them. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks. And Meg, I have to say, you have like literally the best name, Meg Watt. I'm like, electrifying. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So my middle initial is A. So my name is actually Meg Watt. Like that's actually it. Um, that, I, it's awesome. My parents were not that creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely um, married my way into that, but um, it was a branding decision. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. But the name was really worth it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer if you meet Mr. Watt. Like, <laughs> it was. It's it's a powerful relationship, and you know, we're we're electrifying when we're together. So, oh, that's so cute. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so you um started off your career as a journalist, and you were in journalism back during nine eleven. Can you take us back to that time? Yeah. um, So it's really strange to think about it now because the world is in another, you know, era of flux. But Mm -hmm. um, I was like a, you know, a green journalist. Um, I was just starting out my career and um, lived in a in a bedroom community Mm -hmm. for New York City. So about an hour outside of New York. Um, on 9-11, we had about 16,000 commuters that went in just on buses. Wow. Yeah. So the, the ramifications of that event were far-reaching because there were so many different uh, nuances to it. You had parents who were stuck in the city mm-hmm. and so you had kids who were stuck at schools. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, what do you do with those kids? Um, you had people who didn't know if their spouses were coming home. Nobody could reach anybody else. Um, and so when you when you realize that you're part of something that big, you know, at the time, you just work. Uh, you know, um, I had two small children. And while most people were running home, I was running out to work. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. 16 hour days for that first week every day and I just didn't really get a chance to think about much um I grew up in New York New York is home to me and so I had a lot of people I was worried about and um you know at at 22 23 you know your worldview is very different than it would be for me now Mm -hmm. but um I was raised 
by a woman who is very adamant that you always, you know, do the, do what you can do the most that you can. And so, um, I have a knack for writing stories that give a human face. That's sort of my, my niche. And it was like my time in a lot of ways. So I got to become a reporter and really become a journalist during, you know, and at the epicenter of one of the hardest times in American history. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was months of it. It's not like it was just one event and then it was over. It was months of memorials and, you know, how do you cover a memorial? Um, very difficult. And it, um, it was, you know, seeing a community try and pick up the pieces and then also that evolution. So after 9-11, there was a mass exodus from New York. People wanted out of the city. Um, so our little community exploded. It burgeoned. They had to build all these schools. And then, then those people went back to New York. <laughs> they were like, no, we don't want to live here anymore. We want to go back to the city. Mm. So then you had empty schools. Um, and I got to experience all of that. But my, my career in general, I think that that really shaped a lot of who I was becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the helper mentality is deep in me, but also I, I know like as a person that when things get hard, I work harder. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, you know, I worked, I, I switched sides of the desk eventually because I had children and I, it's hard to be a, a journalist and, and feed your family. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately my first husband passed away from, um, complications from type 1 diabetes so um you know I was alone with two small children and so I became I went into writing on the other side of the desk writing public, you know public relations stuff though especially mm-hmm. things like that and I didn't knack for that because I could figure out what someone needed without them telling me what they thought they needed mm-hmm. and telling their story uh in a a succinct way that really resonated with the the consumer Mm -hmm. um but that switch in my career it words have always the 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 one carry through for my whole career and everything i've done has been words so Mm -hmm. whether i'm writing content uh for a blog or i'm writing you know, articles to go in, you know, the hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) That carried through has remained. It's, uh, it's kind of embedded in my DNA. And interestingly, like my, uh, my children are grown now. Mm -hmm. And my youngest is a very talented writer. Um, She actually is going to college on a full scholarship because of 14 lines of poetry. Wow. But it's funny because I was, you know, when she was, before she went to college, because, you know, kids, well, you know, young kids know everything. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, you know, have you considered journalism? Like, and she's like, oh, I don't want to be a journalist, mom. Oh, my God. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, she started taking um, courses in creative nonfiction. Okay. 
creative nonfiction is journalism. <laughs> hey, so, is that journalism? <laughs> and loves it. Oh. So I guess it's genetic. You know, I just thought it was life experience that did it, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's genetic. A little bit of both there. A little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm, I mean, I've, you know, I've made it through uh, 2008 and the marketing collapse. And uh, now we're, you know, facing a different world and I'm facing it from a new city, mm-hmm. which is, is it, it's interesting to have an outlook from a, a different community. Yeah, I've always sort of been with quote unquote my people. Mm-hmm. I'm actually watching from far away as the people that you know the area that I I used to live is kind of a uh, unfortunately a hotbed for this virus because as they do every time something goes wrong, New Yorkers run to this area. Mm-hmm. They brought the disease with them. Got it. So. You know, now we're watching the world evolve again. It's amazing how that happens. Yeah, it is. It's humans are by nature. I think we we naturally evolve and change and grow, Um, and we have a knack for for being survivors. But we also do not we do not handle change well initially yeah <laughs> we fight it tooth and nail so mm-hmm. i think that the world is about to change again mm-hmm. a lot and i don't think people are prepared for that I so we'll see, see how the online world becomes more prevalent with things like this yeah mm-hmm. yeah so much of what you said it just kind of brought me back to that time because back 9 11 time I was I was in college and I can remember I was in college in Providence and yeah. you know like New York seemed like it was far away it doesn't feel far away but we didn't realize how close we were but we were that very day we had I had a lab outside like a science lab and all of a sudden all these planes like military planes are going over because they were going towards New York and it's just like wow the world is a lot smaller than I had originally thought and I, I guess I, I hadn't really thought about how back then I never thought about the impact at, on a journalist as I do today now that I'm an older person <laughs> and I watch like CNN or all the local channels and just seeing how the journalists have to always be so immersed in what's happening that, you know, it's just a different perspective. Well, you have to give up your life for a while, you know, with something like this, depending on what kind of journalism you're in. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, you know, entertainment journalists it's a different but um you know when you are a a beat reporter and your job is to cover humanity really Mm -hmm. you know you know you have to weigh a lot of decisions like sneaking into new york city in an ambulance you know Um, you you decide if you want to you know, tread a fine line on trespassing and, um, you know, what, what choices you make for, you know, the good of the people. Um, and those choices are not, you know, sometimes they're an ethical decision. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I tell people all the time about 9-11 that they may not realize is that while 
what people saw in newspapers could be horrific. What we actually got through the AP wire was a, a nightmare um, because all of those journalists that, you know, and those photojournalists that ran downtown mm-hmm. were sending footage when everything went down. Wow. So, you know, my memories are very, very dark from that time. And it's a very, you know, I've never gone to Ground Zero. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I just, I've never gone. I don't think that I, I comfortably could. Mm-hmm. Whereas my husband, because I've been, I remarried a long time ago, but um, he was in the Navy on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean on 9-11. So his reaction is like, let's go kill him kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's, and so he has sort of almost an invigorated reaction, like a very patriotic, you know, a lot of angst. And mine is more sorrowful, you know? Um, I, I lost people that I loved. And um, the world changed irrevocably, you know. Um, my kids, so we, we live in Pittsburgh now. Okay. And in Pittsburgh at the airport, now I don't know if that will be the same after this, but it, Pittsburgh is the first airport in the United States that lets you go back to the gate again. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so Monday through Friday, <laughs> you can go meet planes or take someone to the airport. And that's stuff that I remember vividly as a kid, mm-hmm. but my children have no concept of that. Yeah. So the first time we did it, they were like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but that's change, you know, that's evolution. And I, I really love how you've taken your love of writing and, the ability to understand people and bring them together and creating your your website for for the for your Pittsburgh neighborhood no boat i said no. it wrong <laughs> no you did you were good i did it's it right no- okay, <laughs> i was checking it out and i was like this is such a cool resource to have to see you know especially like right now you know things are changing and finding a way of connecting people through through you know through the internet it's just really nice and, and nice that it's like so positive and uplifting yeah well you know um where i where we moved to uh we've been here almost two years and we live technically <clears throat> in the city but we live really pittsburgh is laid out in sort of these little suburban communities really is what they are okay. and so while we are in Pittsburgh, where also it feels like you're out of Pittsburgh, the main, like, the you know, major media hubs, they have a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah. And my little community uh, and the little communities around me don't necessarily always get coverage unless it's something really horrific. Mm-hmm. So I felt like we just, you know, I think, I truly think that m- what we put out there, like media wise, has a really lasting impact on the self esteem of a community. So if you constantly tell a community that they suck, they believe it. Yeah. And if all you're talking about is anything negative that happens in a community, you're making the people who read about it think that it's a bad place. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you're making the people who live there wonder if they're living in a bad place. Right. Mm-hmm. But really, it's just a time management thing. All you have time for is covering those negative things. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that I, we, you know, we had one kind of quasi outlet that was available, but again, only covered really negative stuff. And it was very editorial. Mm-hmm. And I just went so, I felt like these, like, I, I moved someplace that I feel like I live in Stars Hollow. I really do. If you're familiar with Gilmore Girls, it's quirky and fun. The people are wonderful to each other. Um, I, it's just the most lovely community I've ever lived in. <clears throat> it's not a private community. It's just the neighborhood. The neighborhood. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, right now with all of this stuff going on, people drop things on your porch, snacks and treats and gifts. And, um, you just to remain connected and make you feel like you're not alone. And they, they do this all the time. So, I was like, you know, we have all these good things. Like, why are we not talking about the good things? So that's what we started. That's what the, the impetus was. Um, you know, I have sort of tested out this concept with, not with the community, but with readers, because I also run a, a literature site. Mm-hmm. And so I have reviewers that, you know, I, I train to, to write. And I think one of the good things about that is, that I'm giving giving people a skill that they can use elsewhere. Yeah. And that has really worked out. Um, but it's also feeling that sense of community and being part of something bigger and um you know, I love my little my little groups of people. <laughs> so uh yeah, no neighbor was not something I ever thought I was going to do and it happened because I I was given a group on Facebook. Huh? about shopping, uh, like positive shopping experiences. Uh And then people only wanted to talk about positive shopping experiences in our community, but like these neighborhoods are right on top of each other. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, so we can't talk about getting coffee in Avalon, like what, (laughs) that's silly. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the website was a method of, initially it was just going to be a website where we put a directory Mm -hmm. and you know, the more conversations happen, the more we realized this was something the community needed. And right now it's been really helpful. Um, one of the first things we did <clears throat> was put up a directory mm-hmm. for businesses to put up their hours, if they're still open, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, the feedback on that from the local businesses has been great because they're like, this is actually, you know, people can look at one spot and find out if, local eateries are open mm-hmm. if the place where they get hand sanitizer is open that kind of thing what a great resource yeah, you know i'm always looking for something the add is strong in me you know i'm always looking for something else to sink my teeth into and you know um i always have lots of ideas too many ideas so it's, there's no such thing as too many ideas i love how you use like the power of words and how you're able to write so eloquently in bringing people together. You help people with their PR marketing. Like, I just love seeing how all that kind of came and goes full circle for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had a really, I mean, we've kind of touched on the, you know, the early part of the, my career, but I've had a really insane career. I mean, I've, I've traveled all over the world um, evangelizing organic 
for a tech company, believe it or not. I have opened for Marco Rubio and also um, held a party for Bernie Sanders within two weeks of each other. That's awesome. In completely like nonpartisan, uh-huh. just I met every single presidential candidate in the last cycle, except for Donald Trump, who I actually knew for a very long time. So, uh-huh. it, it, not in a political right. Capacity. So, I, I just my career has been really insane, and I've gone to lots of places and done lots of amazing things, and been able to really do the things I, d- I didn't think I'd be able to do, you mm-hmm. know, I've always pushed myself. Um, and I'm at this point in my life where I get to, to mold things a little bit more, you know, I have that autonomy um, to do that. And it's been interesting to figure out who I want to be when I grow up mm-hmm. and then start the process of growing into that person uh, where you're not, you know, where you're realizing the, the, the strengths that you bring to the table and what you really want to bring. Yeah, finding your purpose. I think that's the hardest thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want to be and do and, and have more. And then, you know, do you go home miserable at night? You know, do you not go home at all? I mean, mm. I, for a while, I traveled 65% of the year. Wow. Yeah. You know, I didn't go home. Not not enough. You know, on one side that gave my husband the opportunity to go and get his master's degree and, you know, be sort of a home dad, Mm -hmm. which we needed. Somebody had to be that person. Yeah. But I was exhausted. (laughs) I was really tired. Uh Uh, And I'm very thankful for that time. And I think it, it helped me become better at what I am and who I am. But it's sort of hard to wind down from that mentality of go, go, go Mm -hmm. to, you know, what, what comes next. Yeah. Through these conversations, I feel like even what your purpose is seems to be something that it's constantly evolving. Like just as like the seasons of your life change, so does maybe what your current focus is. And I don't know, for me, that gives me a little bit of peace I guess <laughs> because sometimes I'm like oh I'm not doing enough but am I doing what I need to be doing right now you know so yeah well that's where you need to be especially as women I think yeah. that we are constantly band leader you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know gymnastics coach we're all these people trying to keep the circus in town and people, you know, we're ticket sales, we're like doing all of it. And it, it's exhausting because, you know, you lose sight of who you are and what your goals are. And, you know, because you've got to, you've got to keep things running. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot of loss and those things change your worldview a lot yeah um but i tend to come from the place of hope because a lot of those things have given birth to something else in my life so um you know i'm a product of foster to adopt Mm -hmm. and um you know i can't say enough good things about who i am because of who loved me right you know i could 
look at the negatives of my parentage, but that doesn't, that would get me nowhere, you know? And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I lost, you know, unfortunately my first husband passed away from type one diabetes, but my younger, my younger daughter inherited that disease from him. Mm. I've tried to instill in her and my older daughter that you are not a victim of anything that you don't give the power to, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can grow from anything. And, you know, my younger daughter gave testimony at Congress mm-hmm. three years. So, you know, it, I'm trying to raise another generation of women who know that, you know, you control things. You always do. Even when life is out of control, you can find that tendril and hold on and ride it out and make it through. Even when you don't feel like you can, because there are times when it really, you know, one of the things I hate most is, so, you know, I, I did have a younger brother that I lost in a carbon monoxide accident and people would constantly say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Mm-hmm. I hated that saying. <laughs> hated it so much because mm-hmm. you know when you're in the middle of something you don't feel like first of all you don't want to feel like a benevolent whoever this person is is yeah. delving out bad things mm-hmm. but beyond that you also don't want to feel like like you feel out of control mm-hmm. so why is somebody trying to give you more you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that's a very extreme example but I feel like every person experiences that especially now while we're all trying to figure out this new normal Mm -hmm. in a very microcosmic way every day you know uh we were just talking my husband and I were talking yesterday because we take a walk every day and we were talking about we moved from a house that was um open floor plan yep and now we're living in this rambly old Victorian and it's all these little rooms not little rooms but little you know closed off rooms I said, God, I would hate to live in an open floor plan right now. Oh my goodness. That's funny because yeah. me, me and my husband were talking the same thing. We're like, if we had an open floor plan, we couldn't hide. <laughs> yeah, because you would not be able to do anything. You, you know, my husband is on Zoom calls for work mm-hmm. from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we would do that. Yeah. You know? And if I had small children, oh. Yeah. You know, kids in school online, I, you know, I can't, I can't comprehend, you know, minor college age. I can't imagine having small kids and trying to reacclimate them to this new life of sitting in front of a computer. It's, it's definitely different, but you yeah. know, they, they, um, you know, I, I try to look at the silver lining that cause you know, I have two small kids who are doing school right now. And um, so we just tried to look at how we can make this a positive. And in and, and the positive of this is that I feel like they're becoming a little bit more independent and a little bit more in control of their learning. So, yeah. you know, we, we have calls. I'm on a call right now with you. My husband is in the other room on probably on a different call at work. So we print out their stuff and then we're like, all right, so here's your calendar for the day. And they feel really proud that they can check off the things. And when I come out, they'll be like, I did my math today, you know, and feel really proud about it. So we just look for other ways of making it nice, even when sometimes it's like, man, 
life is different. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, I'm a friend whose daughter is four and a half and she's doing preschool, mm-hmm. you know, and ballet class. And the reality is, I think that we're going to end up in a world that obviously is drastically shifted. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it will fall in the spectrum of where we are now to like where we were three months ago. Mm-hmm. But I think that all of these things are going to become part of our lifestyle. And I, you know, at some level. Yeah. Or preparedness for this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty proud actually of how well my friends are evolving in these situations. And all these kids are evolving because change is hard for kids. You know, they're, everyone always talks about how adaptable kids are, but kids need structure. It is hard. It's yeah. hard for them just to change a classroom, never mind. Right. I, I can't, I, you know, I can't imagine how rough that would be. So, you know, everybody should be just giving themselves a round of applause for surviving this time period. Mm-hmm. However you're doing it. Yep. You know, and figuring out your new normal. Yeah. Be proud of what you're doing and don't focus on what you're not doing. You know? That's it. I mean, you know, you figure out what works. My, when we moved from a house where I had a, a one of the only rooms was my office. Mm-hmm. When we moved here, I was like, oh, I don't need a private office. Nobody's home during the day. It's fine. You know, I'll just put my desk in the dining room. It'll be fine. Because my kids were at college. My husband was at work. Mm-hmm. And then they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, I do Facebook lives all the time. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to work. <laughs> you know, while people are walking by and, uh, you know, coming in from grocery shopping and none of those things, you know, my husband is like on a call. None of these things work anymore. Right. So I, my desk's now in my guest room, you know, and I'm going to make myself an office there. I'm like, I wasn't planning to do that, but you know what? Evolution. Evolution. <laughs> you know my I will gladly you know reorganize and redecorate the room a little bit to make it work for what I need just so that I can stay sane and I don't have to get angry at my family yeah make it work (laughs) as Tim Gunn so eloquently said make it work (laughs) if you could give us one piece of advice what would it be I've been thinking about this question and you know I think it's hard for me to give you one okay that's okay two minis but one is that no matter what you're doing find something to be proud of yourself in Uh, you're doing a great job you may not think it at the time but you are because you're surviving it you're getting through so be proud um and the other is that we should always try and for everything we're doing for ourselves, find some way to do something for someone else. There's always a little something that you can do in Pittsburgh. You know, um, Mr. Rogers is from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. is very big here. And, you know, I live my life that way and I encourage others to do it too. I feel like every little bit we put out there comes back to us. That's beautiful. Thank you so, so much, Meg. Um, if someone wanted to find you, how could they find you? I am all over the internet. I'm, I'm just <laughs> everywhere. So <laughs> if you want to find me personally, 
uh, if you look for meg a watt um, I, I am not megawattage like that's uh, the not is actually included okay unfortunately uh, i had a a run in on twitter <clears throat> with a generator company oh. a while ago and they um, twitter basically told me i had to give up my name which was megawattage at the time so now i'm not megawattage not megawatt okay not megawattage not megawatt so, uh, with the AGE at the end. So not megawattage, but you can find me at www.megawattpr.com. You can find me at www.noboneighbor.com. If you're into books, and please say you are, because it's a great memory. If you go to www.lit.buzz, you can find me um, and find out about great books. Uh, our Facebook is always popping. I'm always interviewing authors. It's a good place to go. And finally, I also um, am part owner in Alogi.me, A-L-L-O-G-I.me. And that's predominantly um, influencer management. Okay. So whether you'd like to become an influencer or um, your business and you're looking for influencers, we handle that relationship as well as other stuff we do, websites and SEO and all the good stuff that marketing entails. I'm all over. You can find me everywhere. Find her <laughs> everywhere. She's electric. <laughs> I am. Do, do, do. Oh, sorry. I know. I was like, I was about to go boogie woogie, and then I was like, I should stop. Okay. <laughs> but thank you so, so much, Meg, for being here. And um, hopefully we get to talk again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is great that you're doing this. And it, this is a really enjoyable interview. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good one. What did you take away from Meg's story? How can you be impactful in your world? I'm Thea Charles, and I hope you gained insight from this story. If you'd like to learn more about the Push or Pivot podcast, visit us on the web at pusherpivot.com or on Instagram at pusherpivot. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and join me next time on the Push or Pivot podcast.